Good morning. Uh, it's great to see you this morning, and I'm um, just so excited uh, for the passage of Scripture that we get to jump into this morning. And, um, but before we go there, I would love just to invite you and just ask you to join me, and, and let's just ask God to really speak to us in this time now as we open up His Word. So would you, would you pray with me, and uh, that sound good, and, and we'll, then we'll, we'll dive in. So yeah, let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord, that you are so evident in this place, Lord. We celebrate you this morning in, in many ways. And Lord, today, um, as we're here now and we're, we're ready to open up your word, Father, our simple prayer to you this morning, one that we know that you continually answer, is that you would speak to us in this place, God. I pray that you would breathe just a fresh wind, um, that your Holy Spirit would just strength, strengthen us, would empower us, God. Um, I pray that you would inspire us this morning. And so, Lord, we just want to say that we are humbly open to you, and we're asking you to do what only you can do in this place. And we pray this in Christ's name. And everybody said, amen. Amen. Well, I believe, as I said, you're going to find today's passage, um, mention that in that prayer even, I think you're going to be inspired by what we're going to see today from Acts chapter 4. Um, this passage, and we've seen this continually throughout the book of Acts, and I hope that you've been encouraged as you even think of your own circles of, of influence in your own life. I think this is one of those passages that's really going to breathe fresh life into your faith today. I think you're going to look at the people around you maybe even a little bit differently. As we've worked through the book of Acts, we've seen this thing, this theme really over and over again that God does bold things and oftentimes he does them through people that are willing to take some pretty bold steps. Um, you might be sitting here this morning and you would say, man, I know exactly what you mean by a bold step. God's been kind of nudging me along and, and saying, hey, you take that step, reach out to that person. You've got this platform in your life. Use that for, for the kingdom of God because God has done such a powerful work in your own life. Or maybe you would say, you know what, life is just going pretty good um, and you don't really even maybe aren't even able to identify what would be a bold step for you. But one thing is very true of you this morning you would say, God has so impacted my life. And you would say what many would say in this room, I want my life to have a huge impact for the things of God. I want to look back one day and for people to say, wow, God used them in my life. And so what I love about our text for this morning, and it is, it is for everybody. There's really no varsity squad that this only applies to. So let me ask you a question to kind of set up our topic this morning. Have you ever noticed that when you when you see someone take a step of boldness or a step of courage, that it inspires boldness or courage in you. Have you ever noticed that to be true? That you see it happen and, and all of a sudden it rises up within you as well. You hear the story about somebody who acts with courage or boldness or they show a lot of grit or perseverance and, and you find that it kind of gets your own blood pumping. Even movies can do this, right? You sit back and you watch a, a movie like Braveheart or uh, the, the Pursuit of Happiness or Gladiator or Rudy, and all of a sudden you find yourself in the kitchen and you're lifting up a jug of milk like, Rah, you know, or whatever, you know. But it's inspiring to you. It kind of gets you, it kind of gets your blood pumping a little bit. Real life stories, though, are even more powerful, aren't they? You search for stories on boldness, and this is one of the the images, that the, one of the first images that you'll see. See this man standing here? Do you remember this? This is 1989. Maybe you've seen this picture before. I'm sure you have. Or maybe you even remember this day. 
1989 Tiananmen Square protests. So this is the morning afterwards, and the Chinese government had, had taken over. They had issued martial law, so the, the government is taking over. But there was this protest in which hundreds, even maybe up to thousands of lives were lost because they were protesting. They were saying, hey, we want freedom of speech. We want freedom of press. We want democracy in our land. And so this man, he's known as the tank man, he's still unknown to this day, but he stood in front of this, this moving line of tanks. Now, at our house, we have some pretty intense, sometimes some Nerf gun battles. You ever have one of those, right? It's intense. But one thing I notice, every time we have one of these in our homes, everybody's around the wall. Everybody's coming out with their, you know, and then they hide again, right? Imagine being in this person's shoes, this tank man, completely unidentified yet to today. And imagine that there's the thunder of tanks coming at you. And instead of getting out of the way, what did he do? He saw that they were coming at him, and they began to, to swerve to miss him, and he moved over. And he kept doing it again and again. Why? Because he believed to the core that his cause was worth it. And he was making a huge statement. Look throughout the scriptures, and you th see things in the scriptures, and you say things to yourself like this. You see a picture like that. And you say, wow, bold move, bold move. You might remember back in January, we looked at Mark chapter 14, and, and we saw this gripping example of, uh, and it was the scene that Jesus was at the home of this uh, guy named Simon. It was kind of a little dinner party they were likely having, and, and Simon had been healed, and so I think he just invited Jesus and some others, and and as you might know, right in the middle of that, there was a huge bold move because this woman walked in, which would have been a big deal in and of itself that she interrupted this, this gathering. And she walks in with probably the finest and the most valuable thing that she had ever owned, probably a family heirloom. It was this alabaster jar of perfume. And so she walks in, she breaks the bottle, which would have been jaw-dropping. Everybody looks at her like, what's going on? And then she anoints Jesus with this oil. Little did she know, maybe she did know, Jesus is on his way to the cross. She was anointing him, preparing him for his burial. And everyone there at that little dinner party was furious. How could she do this? I mean, what a waste. Why would she so extravagantly do something like this? But what we know is this. She was expressing her worship in such an extravagant way. It was a bold, bold move. And after everybody had seen her bold move, Jesus said this in Mark 14. He said, truly I tell you, wherever the gospel is preached, think about that. That's us right here. Wherever the gospel is preached throughout the world, what she has done will also be told in memory of her. That day, she did a bold move. And here we are today. We're still talking about it. She set the tone in a sense. She gave us a picture. Hey, what does it look like to extravagantly worship God? Bold moves, what do they do? They move important things forward. When the news about Jesus, when we look at the book of Acts, when the news about Jesus became known to people, and people realized, okay, Jesus, you can heal the brokenness in my life. Jesus, I can know the God that made me. He's not distant. I don't have to earn my way to him, but I can know him and live in relationship with the creator, the author of life. When that word got out, it began to spread, and it began to spread on the backs of people that God used to have that they did bold moves. 
The gospel began to spread because people began these God-fueled, bold moves depending on him. I love hearing the stories of boldness. I love it. Courage. And what I love about these kind of stories is that they can kindle inside of us or maybe even rekindle this desire to live boldly ourselves. And what we find in the scriptures is that you living boldly, it is so central to who God created you to be. It's not really something that's, that's far off and unattainable at all. Now, it is easy to lose sight of. It is harder to embrace. It's much easier, isn't it, to just admire it. It's easy, isn't it, to look at somebody who makes a bold move and say, oh, I admire that. Way to go. It's a whole other thing, though, isn't it, to say, I'm going to embrace boldness and courage. It sounds good, but hey, preacher man, I got a busy week. I'm just trying to get through life, right? You ever feel that way? I do. But what we're going to find this morning is this, is that each and every one of us, God calls us and God even equips us to live boldly. And so here's our main point. If you're taking notes, take, take courage in this, take hope in this. Here it is. Boldness is closer than you think. Living with a sense of, God, you've done something so great in my life, and because the Spirit of God is alive and well in me, it can fuel me, it can inspire me. That is not as distant as you might think. Let me give an example. I think it's so interesting that the person that we're going to look at this morning, Peter, the same Peter that we see in the Gospels who repeatedly denied Jesus, So think about this. Jesus is going to the cross. He's on his way there. Peter gets put against the wall in a very pressure situation. They say, hey, who are you with? Are you with Jesus? And Peter says, no. And it doesn't happen just once. It happens twice. And by then I'm thinking, he's going, man, how can I do? What's wrong with me? And then it happens a third time. But that same Peter who we tell the story about how he denied Christ, he's the one that we'll see this morning who exemplified boldness. Have you ever reflected on this and even just been, been just amazed by this, that God gives you and I second chances? Isn't that amazing? You fall down, God doesn't say, I'm done with you. He says, no, no, let me give you another shot. I love that. But I want us to see this this morning. It's this. I want us to see that if you believe what Peter believed, if you believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, that he died and he was resurrected, he proved that he was God, if you believe what he believed and if you experience what he experienced, and that's that the Spirit of God is alive and well in you, and that's true. So if you believe what he believed and you experience what he experienced, you can become who Peter Peter became, and he became bold. And so let's dive in. The book of Acts is where we're going again. And, and you could say this. I heard somebody in our small group said it this week. The book of Acts, it feels so unsafe, doesn't it? It feels full of risk. And as we go through this book together, I think we're in week three is all. As we go through this, you might start to feel, I feel like this book is stretching me. And you might feel like, ugh, a little bit. But that's okay. That's a good thing. That, God's word does that. Keep pressing in. Stay on the edge of your chair. Say, God, would you teach me from this book? So you read through the book, and we see this over and over again, these acts of boldness. And we see in the book of Acts that what did they do? These acts of boldness, they propelled the gospel. They propelled the expansion of the gospel to go from city to city to city. And so what, we see, so what we've seen so far really sets the stage for where we're going this morning. 
And so far we've seen this. We've, we know, right, leading up to the book of Acts, the stage has been set. Jesus Christ has been crucified. He's risen from the grave. He's proven that he's God. And we know that he's proven that he's God because he appeared to hundreds. And he's appeared to his disciples. And he's been with them now over a period of 40 days. Imagine how powerful that would have been. And so he's with, his, been with his disciples over 40 days. And during this time, though, Jesus has said some very, very important things. And they set the stage for where we're going this morning. The first one came in Acts chapter 4, verse 1. It says this. It says, on one occasion, while, he, while Jesus was eating with them, he gave them this command. He said, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. In other words, he's saying, I'm going to leave, and I'm going to give you a mission. And this mission is not a small mission. This mission is going to change the landscape of eternity in the lives of millions and millions of people over thousands of years. But I'm not going to leave you alone. I'm not going to give you something that is so great, and then I'm going to say, good luck. I washed my hands of this mission. No, not, not the case at all. Jesus said to them, verse 8, he said, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses. He's saying, hey, witnesses, that, that's, that's your purpose. You'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all of Judea and Samaria, and then even to the ends of the earth. That's us. We are the ends of the earth. And there's no doubt, though. When those disciples heard this, there's no doubt that many of them began to look for the door. Many of them said, you know what, this message is inspiring, but it's not for me. There's no way. Because left to ourselves, we don't have that kind of courage. And it would have seemed to them to have been a daunting task. What are you talking about? Judea, Jerusalem, the ends of the earth, we don't even know the ends of the earth. And then it makes perfect sense then what happened in verse 14. It says that they all, after Jesus has left, they joined together constantly in prayer. That's their source of strength. And along with the women and, and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. And so what do they do? They come together. And if you're taking notes this morning, write this statement down. Here it is. Bold actions come from bold dependence. Uh, bold actions come from boldly depending on God. Uh, the, these disciples, they knew, hey, left to ourselves, we will fall completely short. We have to depend on the Spirit of God. They would have been overwhelmed, but by depending on God's Spirit to continually empower them, not just one time for you, for me, but it's all the time. It's your walking into work and you say, God, give me strength today, open up doors, God. God, I want to listen to who you are. God, I've got brokenness to repair in this relationship. I depend on you today. It's continual. What God was saying to them was this. Hey, you seek me. You depend on me. And then this mission of, of, of greatness, of all the gospel, of the nations coming to know me, then it will be fulfilled. One of our, our six uh, staff values, we keep them on this little cube that we have on our desks around here. And, and uh, one of them is called bold dependence. And we have this value because we want to remind ourselves as a church, we want to be doing big enough things that we have to boldly depend on God. We believe that the gospel is so good and our city has so much need that we want to boldly depend on God. We don't want to play it safe as a church. We want to step into the water and say, God, we long to see you do a good work. 
And so this, this little value keeps us on track, and it says, are we doing things that if God doesn't show up, we will fail? Are we boldly depending on him? Are we living that kind of way? Church, you're building a sharp care center for kids in need. I was out there yesterday, just brought my daughter over here, and I just said, hey, do you want to get a little sneak peek of what's happening at church? And I said, before anybody, I'll take you over there. And, and so we're walking through that thing, you know, the, the floor's been poured, and, and so we're standing there, and she's like, well, what's this? I'm like, oh, the hallway goes clear down there, and then she goes, wow, this is really big. And, and I just, I thought to myself as I was describing this place to her, I thought to myself, church, bold move. Think about it. I mean, 1,500 kids in the, in the foster care system are going to be treated with a dignity and a respect that they have never experienced before. Church, bold move. Church, you're contributing to a campus, a, us launching a second campus so that we can see the gospel continue to take ground right here in our city. That's a bold move. Thank you for giving generously to that. We want to be boldly depending on God to come through. This week as I was preparing for this message, and it was, I just sensed God was saying to me, Jeff, are you, are you taking any bold moves? Jeff, are you doing anything that's not safe? What are the conversations, what are the God-honoring choices or interactions that, that I want you to have that you will have to rely on me to give you strength? Well, what are, what are those? I keep going now in the text. We see now Peter he relies on God's power. He, he's prompted by God. And, and what we see Peter do now in the text as we trek through this is that Peter stands up in the midst of this crowd of people empowered by God. He gives his first sermon. And like any sermon, there are people in the crowd that say, yes, I'm in. And then there are people in the crowd that say, no, I'm not in. I don't want that. I, I actually reject that. But one thing is for sure. Peter spoke boldly. This is how he ended his first sermon, Acts chapter 2, verse 36. It says, he says to all these people, he says, Therefore, let all of Israel be sure of this. God has made this Jesus whom you crucified, that's bold, both Lord and Messiah. And when the people heard this, they were cut to the heart, and they said to Peter and to the other apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? They're wondering, how do we respond to what you've just said? And what Peter says to them, I mean, it, this is so remarkable. He says to them, he says, hey, turn from your ways. He says, your ways aren't working. You've crucified Jesus Christ, but now you can turn to him for forgiveness and grace that you've never experienced before. Grace upon grace. You know that feeling when you have something that is so good that you just want to give it to somebody else? You ever had that feeling? It's a great feeling. Peter has the gospel and it has done something in his heart and so it says in the scriptures that it wasn't as though Peter was prompted just to share because it was kind of nice that he had received the gospel it says in the scriptures that what did he do it says he pleaded with them because he knew that grace and forgiveness and life is so good maybe you've had a Christian in your life that's been a little overbearing anybody had one of those you could raise your hand if you want. Yeah, we, we maybe all have from time to time, right? We've maybe been one. But do you know why that person, just to cut them a little bit of slack? Do you know why they can be a little overbearing sometimes? Why they can continue to nag and invite? And you, the reason is this. 
they've experienced the gospel. And it's changed them. And so for them to like hold it in, it's like, that's, that's stupid. Why would I do that? They're like, no, 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 it's so good. And it's not just a today thing. It's an all of eternity thing. So then it says this in verse 41, after Peter says these bold things, it says that those who accepted the message were baptized. Rob mentioned this. I love it. 19 of our students are getting baptized upstairs. And it says about 3,000 were added to their number that day. I mean, think about that. I mean, that's a pretty good start, isn't it? I mean, wow. As a preacher, I'm like, Lord, can I get some of that? I mean, that's, that's cool. From there, Peter and John, though, they have another encounter. It leads to sermon number two. And they have this encounter with this crippled man, and it really sets the stage just perfectly. Peter and John, they walk by this man, and this man has been crippled. The scriptures say that he's over 40 years old, and so he can't walk. And so imagine this, someone physically has to pick him up every day. I was just thinking, what would it be like to be that crippled man, and every day to just hope that this guy comes and physically picks me up, a grown man, and carries me to the temple... Sets me down for the day so that I can beg for my survival. So they walk by this guy. And he does his normal routine. And a miracle happens. This man is healed. And as you can imagine, this would have been no small thing. He goes crazy. He goes crazy with joy. As you would. As I would. He goes crazy with excitement. And when that happens, he begins to praise God. And it stirs up a ruckus. Because these people have seen this man. I mean, he's been at the temple day after day, year after year, begging for money. And then it says this, as the people who knew him watched this happen, it says that all the people were astonished. And what did they do? They ran toward him, and he's clinging on to Peter. What a scene. Have you ever found something hard to believe, but then when you saw it for yourself, it changed everything? Maybe the first time that you saw God answer a prayer in a way that only God could do, you were like, my faith just got stronger. You ever had that happen? That's what's happening there. But when Peter saw them, so imagine the scene. They're all there. They're gathered around. They're like, whoa, tell us about this. This guy's been crippled forever. When Peter saw them, he said to them, why does this amaze you? And then he goes on and he says, why do you stare at us as if this is happening because of us? He says, this is happening because of Jesus Christ. And so then Peter launches into his second sermon and he tells the people he speaks with such boldness. He says, you're the ones who mocked Jesus. You're the ones who crucified him. You're the one who's, who spit on him. You're the ones who killed the author of life. And then Peter explains to them, hey, this, though, is how it had to be. This is how it had to happen. It was foretold in the scriptures that this is how it would play out. But then he says to them, very key statement, he says, repent, turn from your ways so that you can be forgiven. So that times of, I love this language, so that times of refreshing, anybody need refreshing? So that times of refreshing may come your way. And I hear that and I read that example and I think to myself two words, bold move. Bold move, Peter. Bold move. And so imagine that you're there. P Peter's speaking boldly, this message to this crowd. He longs for them. He's pleading with them to know the one who's redeemed his own life. 
Here's what happens next. And isn't this true? When you act boldly, not everybody responds in a way that agrees with you, right? Verse, chapter 4, verse 1. It says that the priests and the captain of the temple guard and the Sadducees, they came up to Peter while they were speaking to the people. So imagine this. It would be like me on stage and all of a sudden some authority figures show up and they don't just kind of say, hey, come with us. But no, no, no. They take me by force and they remove me. They were very upset. It says in verse 2, they were greatly disturbed because the apostles were teaching the people and they were proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection from the dead. I mean, imagine that. It was, it was quite a scene. And then it says this, verse 3. It says, they seized Peter and John. Again, not, hey, please come off. The, no, no, no. They seized. It's like, hey, rest. Hey, and then away Peter goes with John. They seized them because it was evening. They put them in jail until the next day. But many who heard the message, they believed. So that the number of, of men who believed grew to about five thousand. Imagine this. Peter is preaching the gospel. In comes the authorities. He is seized, meaning he is hauled off. But then what happens next? Fleeing in terror could have been their response, the crowds. But it wasn't. They didn't say, oh, Peter's going to jail, and so we'll abandon this thing that he's talking about. No, that wasn't the case. Bold moves empowered by God's spirit what do they do? They lead to bold things happening. And these people, they didn't cower, but it says a number of them, many of them, the number of men grew to about 5,000. That means you count the children and you count the wives, and all of a sudden you've got now this gospel is expanding, this thing that's not an institution called the church, but it's this thing called a movement. Are you with me? It's a movement. It's now grown to about 15,000 people. That's probably a very conservative estimate. But the authorities don't like it one bit. They don't like the fact that the name of Jesus Christ and, and that his reputation is being known among the people, they don't like it at all. It threatens their, their clout, you could say in a sense. But they can't argue with a guy who's just been healed. I mean, it's hard to argue when right before them is this guy who they've seen. I mean, these are the authorities, these are the chief priests, the guys who go to the temple all the time, walk by this man, now he's the one standing there, and he's next to Peter, he's jumping up and down with joy. It's hard to argue with that. Watch the next bold move. The next day, Peter and John, fast forwarding, they are standing trial. And so they appear before this star-studded, really this, this prominent cast of leaders. And the question on the table, as they're on trial, the question on the table is this, Peter and John, by what power are you doing these things? Who's at the center of all this bold activity? Who's at the center of this ruckus? Who's at the center of everything that you're creating? I mean, we can't even hold you here because the people would riot against us. Who's at the center of this? And Peter replies the last words to his second sermon. He says this, verse 12. He says, salvation is found in no one else, guys, for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. It says that when they saw the courage, though, of Peter and John, and they realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, that they were astonished, and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. 
when God does things through people that are beyond people's abilities, God gets the credit. And church, that's why when we live for the city, we want to do things that are beyond us so that we can say, that's a God thing. The fact that we're building that, that's a, that's a God thing. Our impact in life, know this, your impact in your circle of influence, it does not depend on your ability. It depends on who you depend on. Bold dependence is the key. Remember back in Acts chapter 1 verse 14, what did they do? Okay, God, you said don't do the mission alone, so we're going upstairs. We're going to what? We're going to ask you. They prayed. They said, God, would you, we boldly depend on you. If you want to increase the boldness in your life, boldly depend on the one who can empower your actions. And I believe God wants us to live boldly. I think God looks at this crowd and he goes, you know what? I mean, notice for sure, don't miss the fact that it says that these guys were what? They were unschooled, ordinary men. So that there was no MDiv behind any of these guys' names at all. They were ordinary men, but what were they doing? They were saying, okay, I'm going to step into the water. And I, I love this. It's not reserved for the varsity crowd, bold moves. Not at all. But it's reserved for those who would say, I will depend on the Spirit of God. Bold steps. Bold steps. Boldness. It's closer than you and I might think. And then it says this in Acts chapter 4, verse 24. This is so important. It says, it says, on their release, so they're being released from prison. Now Peter and John, they went back to their own people. So that's the people that are kind of like they're following Christ together. They went back to their own people, maybe like their church, you could say. And they reported all that the chief priests and the elders had said to them. And when they heard this, it says that they raised their voices together in prayer to God. Think about that. It, it's, they, they didn't cower, they raised their voices to God and they said, Sovereign Lord, they said, you made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. What they're doing is they're praising God. They're saying, hey God, you are worthy, Lord, you are amazing. I mean, think about that. They were not cowering. But notice this, boldness always follows bold dependence. They prayed to God. They raised their voices to him. Notice that I don't think they woke up that, that morning and they were probably, any of them were feeling like, you know what, Lord, we feel more bold today. I don't think any of them thought to themselves, Lord, you just, boy, Starbucks fresh roast today. Man, that's just kicking today. I feel bold. No, they didn't. I don't think they had that feeling. They got boldness, though, from the one they were depending on. And then it says this in, in verse 29. This is their prayer. So they're, again, this is them depending on God. This is what it looks like. They said, now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand and heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. What they were saying is this. Hey, Lord, we're not just asking that you would do a small thing. No, Lord, we're saying, would you do a big thing? Notice that they did not say, Lord, we pray for travel mercies today. 
Lord, we pray that on the way home from this small group gathering, God, that you would allow, if we get a flat tire, that the spare tire underneath the car, that we've never touched that spare tire, we pray that that thing would still be full of air. No, they didn't pray those kind of prayers. Nothing wrong with that prayer. You're going through an ice storm, pray for travel. I get it, right? But here's the thing. Notice what they prayed for. Not a safe prayer. They said, enable your servants to speak the word with great boldness. Lord, we don't want to just sit back. We want to see you do great things. Help us to heal and to perform signs and wonders. And then I love where they take it. They take it right back to why. Because of the holy servant we worship and his name is Jesus. Notice who's at the center of it all. Not them, but they're saying, Lord, you are our motivation. God, you've been so kind to us. Lord, we can't help but express that to others. And then the last verse, verse 31, it says this, after they had prayed, the place where they were meeting, it was shaken, and they were filled with the Holy Spirit, and they spoke the word of God boldly. God answers their prayer. You boldly depend on God, and you will see God open up doors. You will see God show up and answer that prayer. I think it's easy to admire being bold. Isn't it? You see an example of boldness, it's easy to admire it. Yet I think we can go, well, yeah, but to embrace it is so far away. But this morning, I hope you find hope in this boldness. Whether you're entering into a relationship and you need to humble yourself and be broken, that could be your bold move. Or whether it's to reach out and, and share with the person that God's put in your life, that move is closer than you and I might think. And so I want to give you just three practical things so that I... I pray that this would live in my life and in your life beyond just this morning. And so here's the first one. Three practical steps to, to pursuing boldness. Number one, very simple. Would you ask for it? In verse 29, I love this. They asked for boldness. Why wouldn't God answer that prayer? I mean, think about it, church. God looks at our city. He loves our city. He loves people. And God longs to use your life for noble things. And so when you ask him for boldness, expect that he will empower you to be bold. He will, he will provide that for you. When you and I ask God for boldness, when we acknowledge, God, we solely depend on you, you can count on God coming through. John 15 uh, verse 5 says this. It says, if you remain in me and I remain in you, you will bear much fruit. And then this is a key statement. Apart from me, though, you can do nothing. These days, this verse, this end here, is becoming something I, I try to pray in the morning and just say to God on a daily basis, God, today, apart from you, I can do nothing. You go into the boardroom this week, God, apart from you, I can do nothing. You're with your family, apart from you, God, I can do nothing. You struggle with a sin that's maybe captivated you your whole life. God, apart from you, I can do nothing. But with you, my life can bear much fruit. Number two, here it is, act on opportunities that are right before you. Notice this, when Peter and John are headed toward the temple, they came up to this man who was crippled, and what they said to him, it just struck me so uh, significantly this, this week. Acts chapter 3 says this, verse 6, it says, Then Peter said to this man, again, it's this guy, he's over 40 years old, he's there every day, silver or gold, sir, we do not have, but what I have I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. And what grabbed me over and over again was the statement, but what I have I give to you. What has God uniquely given you? And you could say, God, what I have, 
God, I, I, I give it to your purposes. What are the things that boldness might, again, boldness is not as far away as you might think. What are the things that God has put right before you? And then the last one is this. Here it is. Choose God-honoring boldness over people-pleasing. Any people-pleasers in the room? Guilty as charged. I have been a people-pleaser, I believe, my whole life. And I think I will always, always struggle with how much stock I put in the approval of other people. Can you relate to that? I was at the gym on Friday, and I was talking to a guy who has become a friend, and he was telling me about some of the things that he's facing. And, and I said to him, I said, we become friends, and I said, well, I'll be praying for you on that. And as soon as I said it, I sensed God saying to me, well, why don't you just say, you'll pray for him right now, or can I pray for you right now? And so I said to God, God, I feel like we've had this conversation before. Um, it seems like the gym is a place where people come and lift weights and, and not where they come and have a prayer meeting, you know. And, and so I, we finished our conversation and God won the argument, you know, like he does. And, and so I said, well, um, can I pray for you right now? Reluctantly, I said it. And uh, I thought, we'll bow our heads a little bit here right by the, right by the press and, and uh, we'll pray and say amen. It'd be no big deal. Well, this guy loved the fact that I was going to pray for him, which, by the way, most people will not refuse you praying for them. Bold step this week. You might pray for a waitress, whatever. I mean, pe most people will not say, no, please don't pray for me. Well, this guy liked it so much that he put his arm around me. So now we're not only about to pray, but we're hugging right in the midst of this busy gym. And so I pray for him, you know, and we say amen. I'm walking away, and it's as though God just nailed me and said, Jeff, boldness and desiring to pe please people do not go together. They're like oil and water. You've got to get over it. If you're going to live boldly for me, people are going to look at you weird sometimes. And that's okay. Boldness and people-pleasing don't go together. You know, for some of you this week, um, maybe it's just what you do at work. Maybe it's the neighbor that you have. God says, I've got a step of boldness for you. You're empowered by the Spirit of God. The same Spirit that was alive and well in Peter's life is available and alive and well in you. Maybe for some of you, God is going to call you to pack your bags and go and boldly move to the other side of the world to make his name known. That will be the bold step for some of you. For others of you, it's for you to take the company that you own and to say, okay, how can I use this incredible platform that you've given me, God? How can I use it for your glory and your honor? For others of you, you've been going to school all year and you know the people that you walk in with that need Christ. And you can begin to use those relationships that God's given you. That, that could be your bold move. Again, don't feel pressure because it's the spirit of God. Bold dependence leads to bold moves. So let's pray together and let's just say, hey, God, all right, bruh, your word, man, it brings it, doesn't it, sometimes? And let's say, hey, God, we want to be a church, though. We live boldly. So, yeah, would you, would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, thank you for this morning. Lord, thank you for Acts chapter 4. Thank you for the example of Peter, a guy that you gave multiple chances to. And so, Lord, we just humbly say to you today that, Lord, so often when we don't live in boldness, God, we repent of that. And we say this morning, Lord, you are good. It's not too much to ask for a God who died for us so that we might know him and experience the most incredible life with him. And so, Father, give us the strength. Give us the courage. Help us to be the people that 
um, we do walk boldly because we depend so boldly on you. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Hey, we're going to sing a couple of songs. You can actually stay seated for this first song. And, and maybe as Hannah's singing, maybe even you just say, hey, God, um, what is that bold move for me uh, this week? Okay.